Hi, you are listening to Celestial Vibes podcast, presented by Ashwin from India. Hello all, welcome back to another episode of Saturn's book written by Mr. Robert Wilkinson. And this is the part two, uh, which is the continuation of the part one, which was the episode seven, which, where we spoke about the first part of the book. And uh, now we are just moving ahead with the second part of the book. And if you have, if you have not listened to the first part, it, it was quite an enlightening conversation that I had with uh, Mr. Wilkinson. And today we are going to be talking about the second part of the book, which is uh, about the Saturn cycles, conjunctions, transiting Saturn, which is going to be conjunct with uh, various other planets and also the ascendant. And we are also going to talk about the squares, oppositions and uh, other spiritual dimensions and psychological dimensions that Saturn has to offer from Mr. Wilkinson's point of view, which are very much the part of the second part of the book. So welcome back, Mr. Wilkinson. It's great to have you again. It's an honor. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here, and I look forward to discussing these really important phases that occur to every single person multiple times in their life. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. The minute you take your breath, all of your cycles begin to go into motion. And the Saturn cycles are probably the most important cycles because they help us come out of ignorance and come out of fear so that we may fulfill Dharma as spiritual adults. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So I wanted to start by reading a particular paragraph, which is the beginning of the second part of your book, which is from the chapter six, the Saturn cycle. So this was one of the, uh, this is one of my favorite paragraphs of the book. So I just want to start by reading it. So over the years, I have observed countless people become very anxious and worried when transiting Saturn makes a conjunction, square or opposition to their ascendant or planets in their charts. While Saturn transits can bring tough lessons, it never brings us anything we don't need and is the timekeeper for major beginnings and endings as well as the significant shifts within any major life cycle. Uh, the most important thing that actually flashed in my mind once I read this paragraph was, while Saturn transits can bring tough lessons, it never brings us anything we don't need. So you are pretty much eyeing on that or stressing on the fact that Saturn brings only useful things to our lives and it never brings bad things to our life. And uh, it is easily relatable because when, when we are crossing a particular phase of Saturn, we fulfill uh, a particular percentage of karma, which we are about to do in our life. So I would like to hear your uh, thoughts, Mr. Wilkinson, on this. Well, as you know, from my point of view, consciousness is everything. That we have a body and we have feelings and we have a mind. But we are a soul spirit, Atma Bodhi Manas who operates through the body and feelings and mind. And we are all raised by a family within a culture which has certain rules and has certain expectations, which may or may not have anything to do with who we are because it's about who the family and culture is. And then we grow up within that, but we find at key times of life 
that those rules don't work for us, that other people's expectations don't work for us, and that the stuff we used to fear, we shouldn't fear at all, and the stuff that's really important, we haven't even noticed. All of these correspond with Saturn transits. And this is true whether you're in the East or whether you're in the West, whether you practice Vedic or Western or Chinese astrology or whatever. There are always transits. And the transits are where the planets are right now. We have the birth chart, we have the progress chart, but we have also where the planets are right now. This is the real time experience. The pattern of the cosmos as we are right here, right now, operating within that larger pattern. And again, this all deals the conjunction, the square, the opposition, the transiting angles to our natal planets and to each other. These are the aspects. These are the fourth building block of astrology behind the planet, which shines its light through the sign that operates in the house of our life affair. But it's the aspect that shows the phase relationships between various parts of us and various parts of the world. Why Saturn is so important is because it is the one that forces us to learn certain lessons. It's not outside of us. It is that spiritual adult within us that's telling our personality, you can't do this. You have to do that. This is a righteous responsibility this is a limit you do not need anymore. And the Saturn transits are where we find our way of taking command of our own growth, of our life, of our circumstance. So that if adversity comes, it's because we failed to deal with the cause of that adversity, the karmic cause of that adversity before it became adverse that the only time adversity can happen is when we ignored the pattern that would create the adversity. That's why I say Saturn only brings good things because it has to do with the uh, somewhat well-known old phrase, I will paraphrase it, that when hard times and trouble come upon you, uh, don't lament because it shows that the lords of karma think so highly of you that they're giving you the opportunity to change bad karma to good karma, bad response to positive response, a bad effect to a positive future cause. Okay. So do you think it's the right place to start with conjunctions refresher, which is what you mentioned in your book? You, you said that conjunctions is a refresher. So which was, which was also, uh, lightly touched in one of the earlier chapters, I guess it was chapter two, which you have mentioned uh, here as well, when uh, Saturn comes close to another point or any particular significant point in the chart where it gets conjunct to a longitudinal degree, either, uh, sorry, uh, in respect to the natal planet. We, every single planet in our chart gets a Saturn conjunction every 29 years, like clockwork. 
The first one may not take 29 years because let's say you have Saturn in Leo and the moon in Virgo, then Saturn will touch your moon when you are somewhere between one and four years old. And then it will be another 29 years before Saturn comes to your moon again. And so every single planet in our chart gets touched by Saturn. What does this mean? It means we are forced to restructure and mature those planetary responses. Remember, the planets are not outside of us. They don't make anything happen. We are our planets. We are the ones who express a positive Mercury response or a negative Mercury response. And as I think we talked about, I also speak in this book about the planetary dualities, for example, because Mercury, the mind, its duality is life and death. Either our thoughts and our ideas are bringing us to life or they are dead. They're dead ideas taking us nowhere. It's the same thing with um, fruitfulness and sterility uh, is the duality of the sun. If our lives are barren and sterile, it's a solar situation. And what we have to do is find the right solar expression to make our lives fruitful again. Well, Saturn, every time that it touches a planet through a conjunction, it makes us take a hard look at that part of us, whether it's our imagination, which is Jupiter, or our truth, which is Jupiter, or how we do what we do with Mars. It doesn't really matter which one it touches. It always brings you might say hard realities, but it's just merely facing the fact that we have done that, we have fulfilled that, and now it is time to take that part of us into a new level of maturity, a new level of power, a new level of effectiveness, because Saturn always works to help us claim personal power and responsibility within some kind of larger vision in a balanced and just way. And we talked about that because those are Saturn's characteristics. Most people think it's bad and hard and negative, but it's not. Saturn is ultimately responsible, it is visionary, and it is fair and just. Cool. I think that's uh, the last thing I think that makes too much of sense, like it is fair and just. Uh, it is also the lord of karma. So it has to be fair and just, and there is no way that Saturn can actually bring needless or negative things to our lives. Exactly. So, so uh, beginning with conjunction, so do you want to take like uh, Saturn, Saturn in conjunction with various planets, like Sun, uh, Mercury, and Venus, or so on? Well, let's just examine maybe some of how we might experience these conjunctions. And remember, a conjunction only marks the end of an old cycle and the beginning of a new one. And then a quarter of the way through that cycle, we hit a thing called a square. And halfway through the cycle, we hit this thing called an opposition. And three quarters of the way through the cycle, we hit a thing called a square. And then another quarter of the cycle, and we come to a new conjunction. How long these cycles are depends on the orbit of the planet. Like a Jupiter conjunction to first square is three years. A Saturn conjunction to first square is over seven. 
So again, this is where the cycles of life itself have overlapping turning points and overlapping points of awareness and challenge and productivity because it's all about phase relationships within this larger, bigger cycle. So for example, Saturn conjuncts our moon every so often. And again, if you live to any age, Saturn will definitely conjunct your moon at least twice and maybe three times. Well, the moon is how we experience life. It's how vulnerable we feel. It's our needs. It's our family. It's our home. It's our most intimate responses to life. And so, for example, I mean, Saturn conjuncts our moon, our feelings deepen. We become more introspective. We restructure our habits and way of experiencing life. The moon is feelings. If we have fear, Saturn conjunct the moon will force us to confront that fear. Now, we may stuff it back down until the next square or opposition, but we will definitely come to know a fear response if we have one. And so it's kind of like Saturn on our moon shows us who we are behind our defenses. And it brings profound truths about who we are. We are offered opportunities to become more secure in who we are and what we're doing. And the emotional maturity resulting from Saturn conjunct our moon experience yields an emotional strength and clarity within ourselves, which never deserts us. In other words, we really have the ability to take command of our feelings and not avoid them and not try to squash them and not try to control them. But we come to look at some truths about who we are and what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. And if we want to change them, we can. Saturn is free will because Saturn, as we talked about in the first podcast, Saturn is the ring pass knot. It's the boundaries of our imagination and our existence and our ability to respond. And we literally cannot go beyond that until we have mastered that. So if we have fear, then we have to master that before we can become any kind of higher spiritual awareness. Because in higher spiritual awareness and spiritual adulthood, there can be no fear because fear is an illusion. Yeah, sure. He's gone. Well, again, Saturn conjunct the Mercury. Mercury is the mind. When Saturn conjuncts our Mercury, our thinking becomes more heavy, more serious. To some people, they might become more pessimistic. Other people might take on a true spiritual, mental, verbal discipline where they refuse to utter any word that is less than the perfect intention of the heart as expressed through the concept. You see, so, to, and there are different levels that these aspects work at. There is the personal material level, but there's also the social level. And then there's also the spiritual level. So when Saturn conjuncts our Venus, we do take a hard look at our values and our relationships. And we change the ones that are no longer fulfilling or no longer represent our values. So most of the time 
we learn to say, oh, this is terrible. I don't like this person anymore. They don't like me anymore. I don't know why we don't get along anymore. Well, it's because somewhere down the line, Saturn taught each of you that you valued different things, that you wanted different things in your interactions. And to the degree that we are true to that energy, that's why we retain friends. Because say, I have a Venus in Taurus. They represented a lot of people when I was younger. I had a lot of Taurus friends. Some of them weren't nice. Some of them were not honest. Some of them were not honorable. And as I grew spiritually into honesty and honor and integrity, those without those qualities disappeared. And I attracted other Venus in Taurus people who represented integrity and honesty and goodwill. So this is the thing. Saturn on our Mars when we were younger might mean that when we have to just stop being angry and hitting things. When we are older, obviously Saturn on our Mars helps us uh, do it a different way. Again, for example, I wrote on this in terms of the dimensions of planetary expression, where each planet has three levels of expression. It has a material, physical level. It has a social, emotional level. And it has a spiritual or philosophical level. And all of these work at the same time because it's not like we are a body without a consciousness. It is not like we have feelings without a mind. We are all of these things. And again, like on a material level, for example, because a square, especially a lower or waxing square, and we all have it, Eastern or Western, Chinese, it doesn't matter what astrology we're talking about, everybody has a waxing square yeah. from Saturn to every planet about seven years after the conjunction. And it doesn't matter whether it's in uh, tropical Virgo and sidereal Leo, it doesn't matter. A square is a square is a square. And like on a material level, this emergent square or waxing square might indicate like a new material condition or the need for new ways of acting on emerging material developments. But on a social level, the waxing square would mark a point of the emergence of new social skills, new social obligations, new social conditions, maybe a new way of experiencing our interactions. But on a spiritual level, the waxing square could indicate the emergence of a new awareness or the realization that some truth you're trying to express must be grounded or tested in the world who either share those foundations or even oppose the foundations because it's not enough just to have a realization that others agree with. We have to have that realization that is challenged by others so we may become clear in our understanding. Okay. So I personally have Saturn conjunct my Mercury and Sun. So <laughs> that is one of the most uh, significant conjunctions that I've seen personally in my own life where I had to deal with the uh, Saturn in effect on Sun and Mercury. So I could I could easily relate to whatever you told when it came to Saturn and Mercury conjunction. So the next is uh, 
I wanted to hear more about the Saturn Jupiter thing. I think that was uh, I was talking to someone earlier and I had answered a question on Quora where a person asked about the Saturn Jupiter conjunction on Sagittarius. So it was the Sagittarius ascendant with Saturn and Jupiter on the first house, uh, and I had answered something which uh, which might not necessarily be relevant here, but. Uh, how do you relate the Saturn and Jupiter cycle from an individualistic or humanistic point of view? Because uh, there's a lot of things that has been spoken about uh, from the mundane or universal point of view where Saturn, uh, like Jupiter's movement with respect to Saturn brings how, how it brings about social and communal changes over the period of 20 years when the Great Conjunction happens again. So how do you uh, bring it out in terms of individualistic or a humanistic point of view where uh, when Saturn and, I mean, with regard to this uh, Jupiter's cycle as it reaches Saturn? Okay, we're talking about two different things here. The first thing is that every 20 years, the transiting Jupiter conjuncts the transiting Saturn. These are called the grand mutations because Jupiter and Saturn work out on a social and cultural level, these are usually markers of the end of a 20-year global social cultural emphasis or teaching and the beginning of a new one. And so this happens apart from anything in our charts. It, these things are going on in the world. They have their own cycles. And because Jupiter's cycle it takes about 11 and a half years to go through all the signs. And Saturn takes about 29 and a half years to go through all the signs. They have different pulses. So a Jupiter lower square happens after about three years. The Saturn lower square happens about seven years. The Jupiter opposition happens at about six years. The Saturn opposition falls at about 14 and a half years. So we have different phases going on within these grand mutation 20-year cycles. Now, the other thing that you just asked about is our own chart. The person you talk about with the Jupiter-Saturn ascendant in Sagittarius, that person is, see again, Saturn on the ascendant is usually a person who is I say, born with an old head on young shoulders. They come out of the womb very serious. And because Saturn has more weight than Jupiter, this is a person, for example, if you're born every 20 years, there's a whole group born with Jupiter conjunct Saturn. These are people that need to structure their sense of humor, their truth, their quest for a higher and greater spiritual reality according to their own rules and not somebody else's rules. Because as you know, generally speaking, Saturn on the Ascendant lacks self-confidence. And so their entire life, they're learning self-confidence through self-sufficiency, self-reliance, self-containment, the mature rising to the occasion all the way from childhood. If anything, they are too serious and the presence of the Jupiter can help them to lighten up because Jupiter conjunct the Ascendant is either a great teacher and therapist or a very wasteful person. 
It could be a, a, really some of the best psychological counselors I've ever known all had Jupiter either conjunct the ascendant in the first or in the 12th near the ascendant. So these people, they are gurus in that sense. They do understand how to teach people, help people, bless people, protect people, but in a Saturn way. And okay. just like they are Saturn, but they have the blessing of the Jupiterian possibility of lightening Saturn up a little bit. Now, in the course of our lives, we all have a Jupiter and Saturn that we're born with. We have our first Jupiter return at around age 11 or 12. But Saturn has only just barely made its first square and has still not even made its opposition by the time that Jupiter has already made a whole cycle. And then Jupiter makes another whole cycle and touches all of our planets again between the age of 12 and 24. And yet, Saturn barely makes the opposition and then the upper square, it still hasn't even made a full cycle. And Jupiter's already made two full cycles. So in other words, Guru, the expander, the teacher, the blesser, the protector, the one who bestows grace upon our quest for a higher understanding and a higher way. Jupiter races around two times. Already it has touched and expanded everything in our charts before Saturn has even touched them all once. And so we find over the course of life, we have five Jupiter cycles in the same amount of time that it takes to have two Saturn cycles. And that's why at age 60, we've had five visits of Jupiter on every planet. And we've had Saturn structuring, maturing, bringing us into concrete form of awareness of our of our life, of our dharma, of our purpose. And Saturn has now visited every single planetary part of us twice by the age of 60. So that's why it is said by the ancient Chinese that before 60, one cannot have wisdom because one has never experienced the full cycle of both Jupiter and Saturn coming together as they were when we were born. Because at age 60, our Jupiter is the same as it was when we were born. At age 60, our Saturn is the same as when it was born. And so it is in these cycles that we come to understand the expansion and contraction of possibilities of personality and what types of destiny we will fulfill on our way to being Dharma. You don't really become Dharma. You are Dharma, and either you are, you are manifesting Dharma in a lesser and imperfect way or in a greater and more perfect way. So at this point, think about the possibility. Jupiter has already touched every part of us, our illumination, our feelings, our mind, our relationships. It has expanded and taught us in every single thing. And yet Saturn hasn't yet crystallized, but yet a third of what Jupiter has already experienced. And then Jupiter does another whole cycle and expands both that which Saturn touched and that which Saturn has not yet touched. And during that time, 
Saturn begins to crystallize. Everything in the middle of the first Jupiter cycle, and but it still hasn't crystallized everything. It's only now crystallized maybe two thirds of the original Jupiter cycle, and Jupiter has already raced forward and expanded everything from its first cycle and everything from its second cycle. So it has expanded certain things that Saturn crystallized, then it expanded those things again and these other Saturn things for the first time, and it expanded these other Jupiter things for the second time before Saturn even touches them. Then Saturn finishes its cycle while Jupiter is moving through its third cycle. So Jupiter's already done two and a half whole cycles before Saturn has even done one. So then Saturn does its cycle, and this also ties in with, I believe, something you wanted to talk about, the progressed moon, which, of course, the lunar mansions are very important in Vedic astrology. And in understanding the lunar mansions and the transit of those mansions by the progressed moon, we come to understand everything about how our inner personal experience is moving and unfolding. This has nothing to do with the external opportunities of Jupiter, the external lessons of Saturn. This progressed moon has to do with our inner emotional response to these outer events. And with the progressed moon, it takes 27 and a half years to go through all the 27 or 28 lunar mansions, depending on which system one uses. So we've experienced all of the possible lunar experiences in those first 27, 28 years. But yet it's slightly faster than the transiting Saturn. So we get this lunar response right before we have the external Saturn challenge or lesson. So that's also why Saturn never brings us anything bad because we're already emotionally prepared. We already have felt what is to come. And so that's why, for example, the progressed moon does its first square at seven and transiting Saturn does its first square at seven. But the progressed moon opposes the natal moon between 12 and 14. Saturn only opposes the Saturn at 14 or 15. And then the moon does the upper square between 19 and 20. But Saturn doesn't form the upper square until 22. So that then we get the progressed lunar return at 27, but we get the Saturn return at 28, 29. So we get the internal feeling shift before we confront the external requirement, rule, obligation, responsibility that we have to take on. And that's the whole blessing of astrology is we can understand why we feel how we feel about any given thing. Why is this happening now? Why not last year? Why not next year? And so many things seem inconvenient when they come because we're being challenged. But again, as a great Eastern master of the wisdom once put it, nothing great was ever created in comfort. Human beings tend to want to relax. We like to enjoy life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is good to catch one's breath and enjoy one's life to prepare for the next battle. 
And because the battle will come and there's no question it will come. But mostly I think what happens, see, because people often operate under fear and the mind operates under attachment and aversion and illusion. That what happens is we wind up going through these experiences and then we have to, to deal with those experiences and then we prepare to deal with them again but we've already dealt with them. We will never have to deal with them again. Most people have 20-20 hindsight and they're preparing to fight yesterday's battles tomorrow. And that's what I said in the book. There was one little section I said, the best thing anybody can do to make Saturn their friend is learn to think in the future because it's not what skills and what knowledge you have today. It is how you will be prepared to greet destiny 100 days down the road, 200 days down the road, 300 days down the road, 400 days down the road. Will you be positioned appropriately when destiny comes knocking? That's Saturn. You can't possibly know that through any other means but Saturn. Okay. So, broadly categorizing into two forms, like Saturn with Venus and Mercury and Saturn with the outer planets. So, let's, let's forget the uh, specific planets and let's say Saturn in some form of connection with the inner planets. Saturn transforms our inner selves and we have to deal with all the domestic things that we have to face in our daily lives or daily routines. Well, when Saturn is conjunct the outer planets or the outer bodies, we might have to prepare our mind in terms of what we have to face in our daily lives from external environment point of view. Would you say, would you say that it is correct? Yes. The difference being here is that the seven visible planets represent factors of personality. The outer planets, the Uranus and Neptune and Pluto and trans-Pluto, they represent invisible spiritual force. They represent the, the again, I mean, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. You know, uh, realization, application, utilization. Uh, power, uh, love, wisdom, intelligence. Whatever is that threefold energy that you might imagine, you know, that, that Uranus is Brahma, Neptune is Vishnu. Pluto is Shiva. Okay, so this is it. When Saturn comes to visit our Uranus in our chart, it is structuring and maturing Brahma. It is bringing Brahma into our lives in our unique way. When Saturn conjuncts our Neptune, it's either the crystallization of our wildest dreams or some clarity about collective consciousness. Vishnu comes very clear to us one way or the other. What are we preserving? What are we not preserving? How do we fit into the greater field or how do we not fit into the greater field? When Saturn conjuncts our Pluto, that which matures us has come to visit the Lord of the underworld. In other words, Saturn represents, yes, the hard lessons. And when it conjuncts our Pluto, there usually is a tremendous loss but it can also be a, a phenomenal time of spiritual transformation and purification into our highest self. 
In other words, we are learning lessons, but it may be the lessons that we have nothing to fear from death, loss, transformation, and purification. So to me, it, you know, there is also the factor of the larger thing. For example, in 2019 and 2020, Saturn will conjunct Pluto. In the Western way, it will be in middle late Capricorn. In Vedic astrology, it will be at the very end of Sagittarius. It doesn't matter. Saturn is conjunct Pluto. We can bet that the worldly teacher of what must be learned, Jupiter teaches us the easy way, Saturn teaches us the hard way. Jupiter lets us off the hook. Saturn keeps us on the hook. We cannot avoid Saturn's lessons. These are the ones we must learn to fulfill our purpose for being here. And so apart from whether it has conjuncted our Pluto, which it has, I have a whole chapter in, in the book about how Saturn has conjuncted the Pluto of everybody on Earth. And it doesn't matter whether it was sidereal uh, Cancer and Tropical Leo or a sidereal Virgo and Tropical Libra. It simply doesn't matter. Saturn conjuncted our Pluto, period. We met the Lord of the underworld, everybody on Earth at some point in the last 15 years has absolutely met the Lord of the underworld in one way or the other. And that profoundly changed everyone on earth because we've now understood the seeds of higher awareness. We have had structured the seeds of, of Shiva, the future manifestation of Shiva in each and every one of our lives was touched by Saturn as it went through Western Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. And what's so interesting about that is that as Jupiter goes across those points, those, those areas, it will absolutely expand whatever it was that Saturn structured. So, for example, I mean, Saturn was in uh, the Western uh, sign of Cancer back here in, for example, 2003 and 2004. Well, Jupiter went through Western Cancer in, between the summer of 2013 and the summer of 2014. So everything that Saturn structured back in 2003, 2004 was expanded and blessed by Jupiter, 2013, 2014. So, for example, when Saturn went across the Plutos of Western uh, Leo, uh, Vedic Cancer, that these were people who were all born from about 1942 to 1957. That in the West it's Pluto and Leo, in the East it's, it's Pluto and Cancer. Well, all of those beings that had their Plutonic root, that Shivaic power within them of absolute transformation, Whatever it was that Saturn structured in that uh, Western Pluto and Leo, Eastern Pluto and Cancer generation, all of that was expanded and blessed between July of 2014 and July of 2015, when Jupiter was in that same sector. See, that's why I say it doesn't matter whether we're talking Eastern or Western signs. 
The conjunctions are the conjunctions. And so whatever was structured for that entire 40s and early 50s generation by Saturn was blessed and expanded by Jupiter just four years ago. And so as we look at how Saturn has structured each of our planets, it matures it. It brings a greater sense of responsibility to that planetary function, which is always followed at some point by Jupiter blessing and expanding, giving us a vision, giving us a truth, giving us a sense of humor, which at some point will be triggered by the Mars transit, which will activate whether it's the Pluto power or the, the Neptune ideal or the Saturn responsibility, Mars will trigger it in all of us over and over. And each time Mars goes over any of our planets, it gives us a new opportunity to express a more evolved Jupiter expression of that planet and Saturn maturity of that planet. Okay. So now, um, I would like you to say something about the waning and waxing square that Saturn makes with other planets. This, this is actually really something that I wanted to, uh, this is something that I'm really eagerly awaiting, the waning and waxing square that Saturn forms with other planets. Again, the waning, the waxing and waning squares are phases of relationship. Any sign that squares another sign represents a phase shift. So we understand, for example, that Leo has as its lower square, Scorpio. Scorpio represents the emergence of the Leo energy into another quadrant, into another hemisphere. So all of a sudden, the conjunction to the lower square, we're still in the quadrant of ourselves below the surface. Many things are being redefined below the surface between the square, the conjunction and the waxing square. The waxing square is when we take something out into the world. Or it could be the first time that in attempting to continue that pattern, we're challenged by the world and we must adapt to the worldly requirement. And then we move out and at the waxing square into the quadrant of the not self below the surface. So we're still working on the, the building of the cycle, but it's no longer completely self-subjective. Then after the waxing square and before the opposition, it, we are then having to test out that cycle in the world of others, but it's still not above the surface. That comes at the opposition. Big phase shift. It's either the surfacing of the best of the pulse or the opposing energies that would create the resistance to the pulse. And again, that's why the following house after the opposition is the eighth house. That is where we either eliminate what is unproductive or blocking or is contradictory to the cycle, or we introduce something else into the cycle to help it fulfill itself at the upper square, which is again another phase shift. Because from the conjunction, first, second, third house represents the building of the pulse below the surface on our own terms. At the waxing square to the, to the opposition, we are still building the cycle, 
but it's not entirely on our own terms anymore because we're forced to interact with the world on its terms. Then at the opposition, we realize what is lacking, what is opposing us, but also what is surfacing at that time. We come to awareness at the opposition of both what supports the cycle and what opposes the cycle. And then at the seventh, eighth, and ninth house, we bring that cycle to fulfillment in the public realm because it's now above the surface. So we bring the cycle to culmination at the upper square, the waning square. But see, at the waning square, we then go from the hemisphere of the not-self back into the hemisphere of the self. And so the harvest after the fulfillment is entirely on our shoulders and on our terms. In other words, if the cycle is built from the conjunction through the lower square to the opposition, then it naturally fulfills itself at the upper square and we harvest the good seed of that experience, of that wisdom, of that love, of that awareness in the 10th and 11th and 12th sectors. We incorporate it into our motive pattern in that 12th sector, preparing for a new cycle based on the good seed of the old cycle that begins anew at the conjunction. And every one of our planets goes through this. So Venus represents our relationships. Saturn conjunct the Venus, we come to realize we need more mature relationships. We need more responsible ways of relating to people and more responsible ways of dealing with money and value and resource. The waxing square is the first challenge to those Venusian assumptions that we formed when Saturn conjuncted the Venus. And so at the waxing square, we evaluate. It's now been seven, seven and a half years. Do we still like the same things? Do we still like the same people? Do we still value this in the same way? Do we need to use what we have differently? And that's why at the waxing square, we clean out some people. We clean out some closets. We clean out some things. Same thing happened seven years later at the opposition. We realize again, wow, it's been 14 years since I redefined all of these values and likes. And now I've cleaned out a lot of people and I've acquired a lot of people and I've cleaned out a lot of things and I've acquired a lot of things, but what do I really want to take public? What do I really want to take in the next seven years with me into the next journey as I fulfill these old Venus energies? So you can see that these are the turning points and we are programmed to hold on, to clutch, to be attached. And yet it's a natural part of evolution that when a tree branch has gotten old, it's not producing fruit anymore, and it may even be diseased, we're better off cutting off that branch and, you know, and painting the inside so that the bugs don't eat it and hope that we will get other branches that will be much more productive in the future. Most people don't like to clean out the deadwood of their life, but the squares from Saturn show us exactly. Square to Mercury, clean out the deadwood of the mind. Square to Venus, clean out the people that are more troubled than they're worth or they don't reflect who you are. Saturn, square the Mars. Get rid of your anger and find a new way to do it. Saturn, square your Jupiter. Are your truths actually serving your ambition? Are your values serving what you want to accomplish? Saturn, square the Jupiter. Most people 
they complain because they feel like they're being frustrated, that somehow life is not giving them the opportunities they want. But I just had to tell one of my clients the other day that just because something doesn't seem to be happening doesn't mean nothing's happening. It just means that either you're out in the world doing something, or if there's nothing to do, then it's time to meditate. It's time to go inward. It's time to examine your view of reality. Because if you must take a break and look at your reality, it's not going to help you to be running around with a shovel, driving all over town, trying to figure something out. So it's really the difference between knowing when to do and when to be. Now, obviously, we want to be as we are doing. And that's why I use that phrase, do our being. We always want to be able to do our being. But sometimes doing our being means sitting still in front of our puja table and meditating. Okay? It doesn't mean we have to go out there and do this and that and the other thing. It means we have to sit and, and contemplate the nature of who we are as consciousness in a great field of light. So that was beautifully explained. And this is one more, you are one more person from whom I'm hearing that Saturn squares are actually constructive and not always hard or bad. So uh, now would you like to talk about the trine, Saturn trine to other planets? Again, a trine, like a sextile or a quincunx or a quintile or a septile or a novile or whatever. These are all aspects. And all aspects are angular relationships of one planet to another. And they represent phase shifts. Again, everything is a phase, if you think about it. You know, we have phases of childhood. We have phases of young adulthood. We have phases of middle age. We are constantly shifting phases between different chapters of life, if you want to call it that. So we have this conjunction, and that's the beginning of something. And then it grows through these aspects that we call the semi-sextile and the semi-quintile and the semi-square and the septile and the sextile and the quintile. And these represent phases of inner crisis, uh, fork in the road of choice and change, of productivity and specialization, and then gestation, and then comes the lower square. So we have all of these different internal building phases before we hit this first crisis. And we have to change major phase. After the lower square, we have another point of choice and change, another point of high specialization. Then we have this thing we call the trine, which is harmony, stabilization, and understanding of the origin of the cycle to where it stands. And that's what the waxing trine is, that it represents a point of spiritual understanding. It represents a point of harmony and stability of expression, and then after that, we go through things called sesquisquare and biquintile and quincunx and triceptile. And then we come to the opposition. And then in the waning phase, all of those aspects made are repeated 
but in reverse order. So we have the waxing quincunx, the opposition, and then the waning quincunx. And then after the waning quincunx, then comes the waning trine, which represents the next point of stabilized understanding of the cycle. But the waning trine represents truth. Waxing trine represents expression. Waning trine represents truth. Then comes the upper square, then comes the waning quintile, the waning specialization, the waning sextile, the waning productivity as the whole cycle begins to form the seeds of what will emerge at the next conjunction. And that's why we can't assume that a trine is good and a square is bad. We cannot assume that. They are simply phases in a larger cycle of unfoldment of our consciousness and how our consciousness can express the highest spiritual intention we are able at critical phase shifts. And that means a material way of expressing it. It means a social and emotional way of expressing it. And it means a psychological, philosophical way of expressing it. And that's why I was talking in the book that Saturn ultimately helps us understand what we need to learn in the 12 dimensions of human existence. There are 12 areas of human existence that we are here to master. There is the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels of the personal life. We have the material, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels of the interpersonal life, the social life, our way of interacting with others. And then we have the material, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels of the transpersonal life, our relationship to the world, our relationship to our higher self, our relationship to God. And, and there are ways to, you know, like for example, meditation and, and pujas are a material level of the spiritual existence. That the, the sun salutations, the devotion and, and the experience of higher states of awareness. This is the emotional level of higher awareness. And, and even just to think a spiritual thought, whether you share it with someone else or not, it's not personal because spiritual is never personal. Spiritual is always universal. And so when we think of spiritual thought, we're tuning in on somebody else's spiritual thought and our spiritual thought will be sent to someone else because there is no separation on the spiritual level. All spirit is one, all life is one, all thought is one, all feeling is one. And that's what most people don't understand is that the astrology shows us our unique vintage, our unique response, where we came into this material and, and social creation, what we had and what we didn't. Uh, the skills we brought forth, all the positive karmas and, and the benefits from past lives, we get to bring them forward and develop them. But we also have other lessons that we have to learn because we bring karmas along from previous lifetime as well. And that's where we have to turn the negative response to positive response. And of course, children gripe and grumble when they have to do things they don't want to do. Adults gripe and grumble when they don't have to do things that they don't want to do. But again, if we look at it that this is a joyous opportunity to use the blessings we have to be the light, 
to become Paramahansas, to become Arhats. Isn't that the supreme joy? To do without doing, to aspire without desire, and to fulfill the highest possible consciousness we can in this life. This is the supreme gift of Saturn. I did find something here I thought that people might um, profit from. And it, it has to do with our higher awareness. And it was about living the spiritual life because our chart reinterprets itself based on what level we are operating on. That's what I mean. When we're children, our Venus will bring us certain people, good and bad, so that we may learn viveka, discrimination, about who is a good person, who is not a good person, who is a liar and who is not a liar, who is a thief and who is not a thief. Even though the thieves are all under Krishna, still, it might be good to only be with thieves until you learn that you don't need to be with thieves. One does not need to live with a thief in order to understand it's a bad thing. And see, I believe that the, the divine life always presents itself at every moment. And I believe that there are natural limits to what we can understand at any given period. And this is where, as we master different ways to break free of assumptions that limit our imagination, we come to understanding and wisdom about how to do what we are here to do. We learn, for example, that every ending is followed by a new beginning. When a chapter ends, our ever-renewing eternal self again chooses its future course of evolution as a spirit in the material world, learning to express feelings and thoughts of a higher nature. Our future is limited only by how fit we are to achieve the goals we're trying to accomplish. And so I think that what we're dealing here is it gives us a chance to be aware right here, right now. Okay. <clears throat> this book was written so that every single person can use their Saturn to come to understanding and wisdom and not feel limited, oppressed, afraid, or pessimistic, regardless of their family condition, regardless of their life condition. Saturn may be difficult, but it also shows us our mastery. No being ever became a spiritual master without making Saturn his or her friend. And that's the truth. Every single one. It, because being playful, seeing the Leela, requires discipline especially when it doesn't look like a Leela, <laughs> especially when it looks like a hardship, then we have to use Saturn's discipline to see it as a Leela. Sometimes we have to say goodbye to lesser ways. Well, that's Saturn. And sometimes it feels badly. That just shows us, though, how much we valued what we learned of that. And the trick with any loss with any hardship is to, I mean, first we internalize it in a negative way. Then we have to bring it up so that we can observe what moves that negative expression 
and choose a positive expression. Then we become the teacher of others who are having that problem. That's what Saturn does. No matter what we've learned, it forces us into situations where other people are going through the same thing and we can share our wisdom. But the trick is don't be authoritative and heavy handed with lots of rules and, and, you know, very Saturn, the very, the very thing that people are afraid about Saturn is the part of Saturn we don't need any part of. But, but we have to go through it so that we can say, okay, this is one form of Saturn. I choose to turn it into another form of Saturn. Okay, okay that, that was very enlightening speech. So the, the next thing that we have is like the uh, Saturn cycle and critical life choices, and then we have the Saturn return. So I, I thought... Uh, these two become uh, very specific and also a long uh, topics which we can actually explore further more so that uh, do you think we can do it as a separate episode itself on Saturn return and the critical life choices? Well, of course. Okay. I mean, the Saturn return is so important because the, everybody gets one around 29 and everybody gets another one around 58. These are the points where free will works most powerfully to help us choose our future course. They are only difficult for people that are immature or people that are, I mean, look, we all go through losses, but how do we use those losses to come to spiritual maturity and to spiritual adulthood? And it's not that loss is necessarily good, although I'm thankful I had some losses when I was younger that took away, took me away from very unhealthy people and behaviors. So some losses are good, even if you don't think they are. Uh, the thing is, yes, because see, the Saturn return represents a point where the old ends and you get on with your life. And it's what makes people 26 so different than people that are 30. So radically different. A 30-year-old is probably 50 times more mature than a 25-year-old because a 30-year-old is thinking more seriously about things and they're charting their course in life even if they don't know what it was. My life totally changed at my Saturn return. I had a series of profound losses and at the same time I wound up being offered to go to New York City and practice astrology up there instead of Austin, Texas, my old home. Well, in that, I learned that if I could make it in New York City, I could make it anywhere on Earth. That's Saturn. If you can make it in Delhi, you can make it anywhere. Because big cities, being what they are, it doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter if it's Atlanta or Chennai. If you can make it in those places, then you are Saturn. You, you have weight. You have gravitas. And the second Saturn return happens after you lose so much in your early 50s because so much has been fulfilled. The magnetism isn't there anymore. And you literally don't care anymore. And if you haven't done it by the age of 55, 
you're probably not going to do it at all. But if you come to the wisdom in the second Saturn return, then if you live into your 60s and 70s and 80s, it becomes a fulfillment, a joy, a blessing, a grand adventure. You're not looking for the things of childhood anymore. You're not looking for the things of young adulthood anymore. You are fulfilled in the wisdom that you are at the second Saturn return, which is why old people are usually either really happy or really grumpy. And I prefer to be very happy. I find being grumpy to be an un unnecessary way to live. So yes, we should do a podcast on the Saturn return. That would be very good. And we can also elaborate on some of the things I talked about earlier related, for example, the progressed moon cycle, because that's key to understanding the Saturn response. Because with the progressed lunar changes, either we feel secure enough to take on Saturn's responsibilities, or we freak out and we feel insecure and we struggle with the Saturn responsibilities that come at the Saturn return. Okay, so which is why I thought I think it was a, you probably gave a very, very good introduction to what we are going to do in the next episode uh, with regard to the life, like life choices and uh, Saturn return. So, as it is Saturn return, as I, I already said, it is a huge topic which has to be dealt with separately because we have two major uh, cycles, which is the first Saturn return and the second Saturn return, and there are people who actually make through to the third Saturn return. So, yes, uh, yeah, it is a very, um, it's a separate topic in itself, which so many people are actually interested and also frightened about. <laughs> So, well, I, I want to stress that even the, the concept of the Saturn return applies to everyone. It doesn't matter if it's Vedic or Western or Chinese or anything. The Saturn return happens to everyone. Every single human being goes through, unless they die at a young age, they go through one and probably two Saturn returns. And these are huge in shaping our future. And these are the points where we claim our destiny. Okay. And again, the, the subsequent squares and oppositions are where we can make mid-course adjustments in case we found ourselves off on a side road somewhere, not fulfilling destiny. The square from Saturn to Saturn is when we can get back on our destiny track. That's why I said sometimes the hardship is the best thing we can have because it forces us to realize we chose wrongly, that we need to choose anew. And it doesn't mean that we can abandon our responsibilities, but it means we have an ability to view our responsibilities with different eyes, with different awareness, with different understanding and different wisdom. And so even though some people, they barge right through that first Saturn return, they don't seem to get it, then they start having trouble around 35. They're given a chance to examine their motive, their purpose, their limitations, their responsibilities, and why they view them the way they do. And if they make the right choice, then by 43, 
they are already back on track with their destiny. They're back on track fulfilling their higher destiny. And that doesn't mean everybody becomes a guru. Forget it. Sometimes fulfilling higher destiny, you could be a Paramahansa and just be a grandmother. Okay, it doesn't, you don't have to be somebody famous writing books and making talks. You might just be the fire chief down the road. He might be a full on, fully aware Arhat. And nobody would know it because he is the smiling fire chief. <laughs> that was a great closing note. Okay, so uh, I think they have, I think we have already finished the final thoughts. And we have also given a little bit of introduction as a conclusion to this, like introduction to the next episode as a conclusion to this episode. And uh, see you next time with uh, Saturn Return. And uh, thank you so much for joining again, Mr. Wilkinson. Namaskarams. <laughs> Namaskaram. Thank you for having me. Thank you.